What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. Seven and four, Mike White is back. Steven, how's it going? What a game. Mike freaking White, man. I'm I'm feeling good. I mean, how could you not be excited uh, for him, for the entire team, uh, for the response, for the fan base? It uh, it was great, man. I think um, it was just great to see. I think a little panic set in early on, you know, Bears taking early lead and you're thinking, oh, geez, in the pouring rain and this monsoon, like this has kind of shades of a letdown game coming off of an awful loss uh, to New England. And, you're, you know, everything is going through your brain. But then Mike White delivers that strike to Garrett Wilson. He, he breaks off a 54-yard tutty, and, man, the tides just turned, and then uh, the rest was history. It was uh, it was awesome. But how you doing, man? How you feeling after that? Yeah, it, I think it was one of the most fun games in a while. Like, I, we've had some fun ones this year, but that was, like, I just feel like the most complete game. Offense, defense. I guess special teams were a little shaky because there was, obviously, the botched field goal, and then, obviously, a missed field goal later in the game. But, man, Mike White, man, it's it's – it's awesome. And like you said, it's so hard not to feel amazing for that kind of guy. Like this guy's basically been a journeyman quarterback drafted by the Cowboys. I think in 2018, he, you know, got a shot last year when Zach initially got hurt. He had like the game of his life against Cincinnati. He had that great start against Indianapolis on Thursday night, gets hurt, ends up coming back the next week. And then we never see him again. And it's the guys love him. And it's like, I don't I don't want to pile on Zach because I feel like people have already been accusing me of that because I posted that picture. Got yourself in on... hot water, did you? Yeah, and I really was making a joke <laughs> about it. So anyone who was saying I was piling on him, I wasn't really trying to. It was more so a joke, and it got blown up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike White, man, like there's just something about him. And like you see the, you know, that post-game interview with Pam Oliver. He literally is just being like attacked by his teammates in the best way. And I was reading on SNY from Connor Hughes how he's like the most genuine good dude around the locker room. I don't think there's a, a guy in that locker room has a bad thing to say about him. So it's like, man, he deserves it. And let's just ride this wave. Who knows where it could take us? Yeah, I think it's really, you said it best too. It's not throwing shade at Zach. It's really just hard to ignore how the locker room responds to Mike White and how they feel for him. And, like you said, the post-game interview um, was something, I mean, Conklin, Uzama, like all those guys come up, they're bull rushing them, all that stuff. Like, it just seems like there really is something about them that, and, and that there was legitimate excitement um, from the rest of the offense and specifically the weapons in regards to Mike White starting. You know, I, I don't want – you think back to last year and, you know, it was definitely a roller coaster for, for White, right? Like he comes in, he, you know, against the Pats – uh, after Zach gets hurt, he doesn't do very, very well. Um, not poorly, but again, not very great. And, you know, they lose 54 to 13, but then he has that monster game against Cincinnati, you know, uh, decent start at Indianapolis before getting hurt. And then a terrible game against Buffalo. But when you kind of peel that back a little bit, like those were <clears throat> three playoff teams, one almost playoff team in Indianapolis, right? The AFC representative for the Super Bowl. So let's not totally like discredit Mike White either for those, you know, three, well, whatever you want to call it, two full games and two part, well, really three partial games, but either way. Um, but at the, the same kind of thing goes for this game too. Like I think a lot of people are kind of brushing this aside saying, well, it was just the bears. Let's not do that either. Let's not totally discredit this game either because the guy threw six incompletions. He threw three touchdowns, 315 yards, 
to 10 or 11 different receivers, whatever the number was. Like, it's an NFL defense in a monsoon. Like, let's not totally discredit that. At the same time, it doesn't mean he's the second coming of Tom Brady. But for right now, this is as exciting as it's been all year. And let's see what happens these next two games. These are going to be a a big test. This will be a big barometer for him. Um, But overall, you can't discount anybody that watched that game, anybody that looked at the highlights. You can't discount what Mike White brought to the offense and how good the offense looked. And honestly, you know, guys like Richard Sherman that speak on the pedigree and stuff like that, like I tend to agree because if Zach Wilson came out, whether it was the Bears or not, if Zach Wilson came out and threw for 315 with three touchdowns and no picks, we would have been all over that. And and so uh, ridiculously happy because finally our number two overall pick showed something. So, um, again, we got to, you know, the answer somewhere in the middle of the road, but it's really, really hard not to feel good and not to be really excited from Mike White and the way that he played on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad that you touched on the thing about it's, it was just the Bears, and I put that in my column today on the Patreon, so check that out if you haven't, uh, my f- weekly five things. Guys, like, it's it doesn't matter. The Jets won by 21 points. They scored 24 unanswered points. They did exactly what they're supposed to do against an inferior team. It's not like they just escaped. They won by a field goal on the last second. They were basically in control of that game from – the moment they took the lead again in the second quarter and they never looked back. So it's like, it's fine. And they also beat the bears with the largest uh, margin of victory of any team that the bears have played all year. So yeah. they clearly were the most impressive. Miami had some problems with them. I know fields was playing. Um, I know Dallas gave up a lot of points to them. I know Dallas put up like almost 50 on them, but at the same time, it's like, it doesn't matter. They're still an NFL team. And I feel like people yeah. like think it's like, we're playing, you know, we're a, a division one team and they're like a division one double a team. No, it's still the NFL. It doesn't matter. These guys get paid to play too. And it, it does. You can't discredit what Mike White did. The weather was terrible. I was at the game. Literally, <laughs> I was in the bar for the second quarter inside the concourse because it was so bad. And we just like didn't want to get drenched. And then we eventually went back out. But yeah, it's the one thing I want to say is it's like we can, we can keep going on and on about Mike White, but it's just. There's a calmness, there's a poise, a co- like efficiency, precision. The second he gets that ball, he knows what he wants to do, and he does it, and he does it well. You could see it. Like, yeah. Elijah Moore was as energized as I've seen him all year. Like, he looked like Elijah of last year. I know he only had two catches, but the second he got that ball, he was dynamic. Garrett Wilson, dude, that was just unbelievable. And be- I saw somebody on Twitter being like, oh, like, if what's his face puts his hands up a little bit, he's probably picked off. Plus, it and every good quarterback in the NFL has plays where it goes sails to the defender's hands, goes right to his guy in stride, and yep. then they go to the house. So it's like, what, what are we doing here, man? Mike White deserves all the credit in the world. He looked phenomenal, and yeah. Garrett Wilson is. It was just awesome to see the things that we were seeing. You know, in the Cleveland game, you know, even in the Ravens game early on, he just. It, he's just so tantalizing and it's such a joy to watch. And I think like his, um, I guess his numbers, like if, he, I guess when it was with Joe Flacco and Mike White compared to when it was Zach Wilson, like if you prorated that over like a, a full season, he would have like a crazy season for a yeah, rookie. It's like, it's, it's like over 80 catches for like 1300 yards. It's, it's something astronomical, which is just awesome. But yeah, I, I agree. I think obviously, you know, the throws that he made were extremely impressive. The, the Garrett Wilson throw, the Elijah Moore throw, both very impressive in the tight windows um, and really delivering strikes. I think, and and to your point too, Stephen, I think you just kind of saw how quickly he can work through progressions. And, and that was evidenced by, 
um, you know, the release time in terms of, you know, it took him like 2.8 or 2.6 seconds or whatever to get rid of the ball. But the more impressive plays to me, just kind of knowing what we've experienced so far with Zach Wilson, were really just, a, you know, three third down conversions. Obviously, the Elijah Moore, uh, the first catch by Elijah Moore was an incredible strike. The touchdown to Garrett Wilson, both of them, incredible strikes. But really, you know, there's a third down check down to the right side of CJ Uzama where you can see him work through his progressions, hit the check down on third down, gets the first down. There was another one. You see him work through his progressions. He checks down to uh, Zonovan Knight on third down on the left side, gets the first down. And then on third down again, rolls out to his left, hits Elijah Moore for the touchdown. Like those are just extremely impressive plays um, for a guy that, you know, you don't necessarily expect to kind of have that wherewithal to be able to do that. But Mike White, exactly to your point, exactly what you said, knew where he wanted to go with the ball, knew where the ball should go. And absolutely did it and was just dealing uh, on all cylinders on Sunday. It was, uh, it was great to see. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, is like Michael Carter gets hurt pretty early on in the game and it, it, he doesn't miss a beat. I'm puzzled, but you know, when it's kickoff, we're tail right before an hour before kickoff and the inactives about, I see James Robinson's a healthy scratch. I'm like, yeah. what are they doing here? Like James Robinson has looked really good at times, specifically in the second half of the Buffalo game. And like, I get it. He feels like sometimes he hasn't had that burst that we were hoping to see. But Robert Sala is just pushing all the right buttons. He he benches Zach, which was bold, obviously. But we all thought it was warranted based on the behavior. And then he, I don't know if it's necessarily a bench. Maybe they're like, we like we like what Zonovan can bring against this defense, which is why we want to play him. The guy was phenomenal. He never played a, a meaningful NFL game in his career. And yet he was he had over 100 all-purpose yards and was productive, taking advantage of all the opportunities. Even Ty Johnson, a guy that we ragged on a lot last year, mm-hmm. he was great. That touchdown run was electric. And I'm like, yeah. this is the Ty Johnson that Badlands was preaching about last year to buy stock in. They never wavered, I guess, Connor and Joe. But, like, it's it's awesome, man. And, like, I know the defense definitely got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I know Sauce Gardner had a good quote about it saying, we weren't used to the offense being on the field for so long, <laughs> giving us a break. And then they settled down and it's like, they keep doing their thing. I know they didn't get a lot of sacks, but they definitely were getting pressure on Simeon all day. Uh, Bryce off continues to do Bryce off things. You know, that sack was awesome. And I feel like that really shifted the momentum and put the jets in full control of the game at that point. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing you might say. It's like, this was like the most complete game. I think that they played all year. And you know, I know obviously they had some impressive wins, but like, I guess it's really the Miami game, but the Miami game was like the running game and the defense really taking control where it's like the running game, the passing game and the defense all were playing well. It was really the specialists that were letting up, but I do want to say this because everyone on Twitter I saw when I was sitting in the, you know, in the stands was going after Braden man. If you were at the game, you weren't mad at Braden man when he botched that ball, the weather was horrible. And I, I felt bad for him because I'm like, it's not his fault. Yeah. It's not his fault. <laughs> I was ragging on him too. And then I had to apologize to him later on, um, especially when he got that punt inside the one, which was great. But yeah, to go back to your point um, in regards to the running backs, I think, and really overall kudos to Joe Douglas and kudos to Robert Sala really for having a clean slate and saying, you know what, regardless of draft pick position in regards to compensation we gave up to get whatever guy, you know, whether it's Zach Wilson or James Robinson, like we're going to go with what suits us best right now. And in this moment, so, you know, sitting Zach Wilson down um, is absolutely the right move right now. I think that was proven uh, immediately, you know, the first drive really 
um, from Mike White against uh, against Chicago. But the the Bam Knight thing, I think, is exactly what they need. And I think what you're seeing really is guys like Bam Knight and Ty Johnson kind of being the better Brees Hall uh, replacements than a guy like James Robinson. That kind of stick your foot in the ground, one cut and go uh, is exactly what made Brees Hall so explosive and exactly why he was having so much um, success in this offense early on in the season. Now, and I'm not saying that Bam Knight or Tyler Johnson are going to are going to replace Brees Hall by any stretch, but it's definitely kind of uh, it fills the void a little bit better from those guys having that style of run. Um, but again, credit to, to Salah for making those moves. I think uh, incredible. And honestly, man, you, you may think that just, you know, Salah saying there's some there was some meat left on the bone and that was just a better matchup. Uh, or, or something that they needed for a matchup against uh, Chicago. However, you kind of feel like there's really no way that Bam Knight gives up his spot to James Robinson from here on out, unless he absolutely just loses it and, you know, comes out and fumbles two times or something like that. Cause the way that he looked on Sunday is exactly what this running game needs. So I don't think he relinquishes that spot anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Michael Carter's, they said he has a chance to play on Sunday, but I would imagine if Carter doesn't play, it's it's going to be a three-headed monster of Knight, Robinson, and Johnson, which is great because this is how the, the offense is designed to run when you think about what San Francisco does from a run game standpoint. They've been putting different guys out there. I know obviously now they have McCaffrey, but prior to having Christian McCaffrey, they never really had like this like bell cow type back. They had the, the likes of like a Tevin Coleman, Elijah Mitchell, who just got hurt. Uh, Raheem Mostert, who was tremendous in that NFC Championship game that got them to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm trying to think of other guys. They had Trey Sermon. He didn't really work out. Jeff Wilson Jr. It's crazy. Matt Burita. You could go on and on. They they just yeah. mix and match. And I think it's like they're the play calling is going to be dictated by the guy who they feel is is you know the hot hand for lack of a better phrase. So I'm fine with it. I mean, Brees Hall to me, like whenever he's healthy, he's the you know the clear cut running 100%. back one. Absolutely. But like until he comes back, I'm fine with it. Just. Whatever, you know, buttons the floor feels he needs to push to get the offense moving, I'm with it. And I, and I said this also earlier today in my column, we cannot discredit the return of not only uh, Max Mitchell, but Corey Davis for, you know, mm-hmm. the run game. Corey Davis is the best blocker um, on the, like as a receiver on the team by far. I mean, I know Denzel Mims has been doing a good job, but Corey Davis, you cannot discredit his ability in the run game to block. So that's that was a huge lift for this offense. But Max Mitchell, man. I can't say anything nice, nicer about this guy. I mean, like fourth round pick that we we're like, oh, it's probably a developmental tackle. Maybe he'll contribute to 2023. Meanwhile, he's as solid as they come as a right tackle. Like you instantly see that the right side is playing much better. I know Herbig was out last week as well, but it was just a different offensive line than what we saw a week ago. And it's, it's, it's amazing. And like, I know it's, it's, I'm a little bummed that, you know, the stuff with Fant hasn't worked out the way we had hoped, but you know, he's an older player and, you know, guys come and go. And it just seems like Max Mitchell has really played his way into the, the, the full-time right tackle job for now. And, you know, they'll probably rest fan, keep him as depth at this point. So it's, it's remarkable, man. And I'm, I'm excited because there's so many pieces on this team. You know, we talked about sauce, like, I mean, we talk about him all the time. I'm sorry. We didn't talk about this episode, but we talk about all the time, how tremendous he is. And I know he gave up that one big play and people were trying to dunk on him. Like that's the only play he gave up all day. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But, like there's just guys all over the field, man. And like, I love what I saw from Conklin. He finally, you know, protecting the football and he was effective, especially as like a security blanket, but everywhere you look, man, this team is awesome. They're seven and four for a reason. 
And I hate saying this because it means it feels like I'm piling Zach, but they could be nine and two if Mike White yeah. played those Patriot games, or at the very least eight and three. Yeah, like I don't think it's crazy to say that, right? No, if you if you get a quarter of what Mike White gave you on Sunday in those two games, you're nine getting and two. at least yeah, or yeah, eight three worst case. Yeah, scenario. you're you're you know you're in the first or second seed in the AFC, which is just crazy to say and crazy to think, but. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I'll let I'll uh, I'll tee this up for you, but I know you wrote this in your column as well. I know that Joe's been uh, Joe Caparoso has been all over this too. But you talk about the offensive line. So given what's going on there, and you know, you talk about uh, when they drafted AVT, you know, we thought that it was going to be Mackay and AVT as like kind of road graders on that left side, and then you know you shift gears and you, and, and the Jets are dealing with all these injuries on the offensive line, but the the line and the running game are still performing even though they have really uh, three-fifths are, are done, maybe even more uh, when you think about it, right? McGovern's the only – get McGovern and and, and um, Lakin Thompson are the only guys that were slated to start that are actually starting now. So dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with, uh, starting three different quarterbacks, um, being able to flip this defense from a bottom-of-the-league unit to now legitimately a top-five defense – Robert Sala deserves serious, serious credit and and consideration for coach of the year. I mean, let's let's be honest that taking a four and 13 team uh, to get him to seven and four and in the thick of the AFC playoff race, uh, beating the top two teams in the division. He should be getting a lot more consideration. I know you wrote about that, so I'll kind of I'll kick it back over to you to uh, to further that conversation and your, your support for Sala. Yeah, I mean. I feel like if they continue to win, it's only going to get louder nationally. And I get it. Like we, we, you know, we see the Jets closely. I mean, I acknowledge the three guys that I think also deserve a lot of recognition. Nick Sirianni, the Eagles are 10 and one, but they're a very talented team and they had expectations to win the NFC. They were a playoff team last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that that warrants like him getting it. And if they obviously went undefeated, which they're not going to at this point, then you can obviously point to that. Mike McDaniel, who the Dolphins were a good team last year, but obviously they look much better this year. But there was expectation, but he has elevated to a – but they also added a guy like Tyreek Hill, which helps their team. Their defense isn't that great, and they give up a lot of points. But, yeah, he deserves consideration. O'Connell as well. I mean, Minnesota was a solid team that, you know, they were just kind of inconsistent for lack – you know, for whatever it was. So there's a lot you could say, but for Salah, and really for me, when I think about what a coach of the year award goes to, I know Dayball was the guy, but it seems like the Giants might fade a little bit. To me, it's a narrative type award, performance over expectation. Think about it. Jets over under is five and a half. They've already smashed that. Mm-hmm. People, I remember we had these conversations over the summer. People were like, where do the Jets rank among AFC teams? People were saying only better than the Texans. They're a lot better than a lot of the teams that people said they were better than. They're better than the Raiders, better than the Broncos, probably better than the Chargers if you take away Herbert right now with the way they're playing. Um, better than New England. Um, I mean, I w- you Tennessee is probably like on their level. I'm not going to say that they're better than Tennessee because Tennessee's seven four as well. I mean, better than Indianapolis, better than Jacksonville. Um, um, I think I'm missing the North. Better than Pittsburgh. They beat them. Uh, am I missing anybody? Oh, better than Cleveland for sure. Yeah. On the same level as probably Cincinnati and Baltimore, even though they lost them. But I think if they played them, that would be a different result. So it's like, why is he not getting more buzz nationally? Right. And I know I, I think his if you want to bet on it, it's a good value. It's nine to one. That's yeah. pretty good returns considering where they are right now and what the potential could be. Because if they win 11 games, which I think they'll probably net out of 10, which would be awesome. Mm-hmm. I 
why would shouldn't he get it? That literally is doubling their expected win total. To me, that's more than enough of a resume in my <laughs> yes. eyes. And almost tripling their prior season's win total. So they have they have the, they have more wins now this season than they did the previous two seasons combined. Exactly. So that you, you, you need to give solid credit. You, you take all the things that, that I just listed off in terms of just performance on the field, and you couple that with the the decisions that he's made and, and the way that he's handled those decisions and the locker room because of those decisions. I mean, he, he deserves serious consideration. So he has done uh, the job he's done has been nothing short of, of phenomenal this season. And I, I think if, if you were to ask any Jets fan, I think they all come away uh, 11 games in saying, you know what, we know who the leader of this franchise is and it's Robert Sala. And we feel hundred percent confident in that. Yeah. And that's, that's something the, that I come that's away the- from. That's the biggest thing that you could take away from the season, no matter what happens, is we have our coach. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't have any hesitations anymore. I know we were ripping him earlier in the season with like the receipts after the week one. He was right. We were wrong. And yeah. it, I'm it's gladly like eat just, my words. Yeah, me too. He was an easy guy to root for, and I was hoping that this is what he would become. And he's even surpassed the year two expectations that I had, which was just to show signs. He's more than done that. It's the, it's the in-game management. It's the aggressiveness. It's the clock. He knows what he's doing. And the players love him, man. And it's just like, this could be our guy for a decade. Like, it really could. Like, I know things in the NFL could change on a dime. But, like, he just has such a good pulse of the locker room. He understands. doesn't matter where you were picked. If you're not helping us win games and there's a guy who can, that guy's going to play. And not every coach is like that. And that's why certain guys get fired because they're stuck in their own way. And he's like, no, man, we want to win games. We know this team is good. I'm not going to hold us back because of somebody we took high in the draft if they're not delivering. And you've got to give the guy a lot of credit for that. It's amazing. Yeah, it was a tough call to make when he made it. But uh, the fact that he did and the fact that he didn't waver and he's sticking to it and he's obviously proven right. I mean, that's uh, you got to give the guy credit for that. It wasn't uh, it wasn't an easy decision. And, and I think, you know, there were obviously a lot of factors that went into that. But in all reality, when you look at it objectively, I mean, Zach Wilson was five and two as a starter and the second overall pick in the draft, and he benched them in favor of a guy named Mike White, you know, who's a, like you said, a journeyman, uh, what, fifth year guy, fourth year guy, whatever it is. So um, give Robert Sala a lot of credit. Give him credit for what he's done with this defense, uh, what he's done with his team, what he's done with the staff. It's uh, It's been a crazy ride. And uh, I think uh, it's only going to get more fun as this uh, these next six games unfold. For sure. So I heard an interesting thought process on uh, from Joe Beningo, and I wanted to peg it to you, and I want to see what you think about this. So I want to give him credit, though, because he's been very much in the Mike White uh, high for a long time, really dating back to last year. He didn't think that he should have been benched after the Buffalo game, which he has a point, but I think they were trying to see what they had in Zach because it was a lost season. So you can't really blame the coaching staff for an office to try to understand what their rookie quarterback was. They spent the high pick on him, so I get it. But his thought process, and I'm, and it's interesting, this is what he said. He was saying that the reason they like they benched him they benched him. They knew he was better than what Zach was, but they didn't want to, you know, make Zach lose confidence that by not letting him play. So when you think about it, going into the off season in March, they brought him back and they had every opportunity to make him the starter when Zach went down, they did it, which I think is really interesting because they obviously knew what they had in him a little bit. They've seen what, how he prepares, how he works, but think about it like this. I know he didn't have the best preseason, so you can use that as the excuse, but if they really, you know, were so like dead, huh? Like dead set on proving if Zach is the guy, and I know that's what the whole offseason was building around him. They make Joe the starter when he goes down until Zach comes back. 
obviously there was limitations with Joe can do. And I know that the Browns game um, was crazy and they ended up winning that game, but like they could have easily been 0-3 and Zach going into a really unwinnable situation, starting out 0-3 in that hole and has to win three straight just to get the 500. But the thought process is they didn't want to embarrass Zach because they knew Mike White was better and they purposely didn't want him to play because what if he went two and one or three, and know, how do you not, how do you like bench him? So I think it comes up from upstairs and then they realize that the team is better than they expected. So now it's like, we got to roll with what we can do and what we think can win. Do you think the jets believe that? I mean, I think it's a little bit of a stretch theory, but it's interesting to think about because why did Mike White get elevated to QB two when he wasn't the starter when Zach was out? So I think it is a bit of a stretch. I have, I have a it hard is. time. I have a hard time believing regardless of situation. Like, you know, we had Connor Hughes on our show who said that the jets themselves, anyone in the, at one jets drive didn't anticipate. He, they didn't anticipate these guys being as good as they were going to be. They would have been, you know, happy with four and five. That's what they were figuring on. And then maybe they can make a late season run. So the fact that they're as good as they are now, as quickly as they got there, I think is a surprise to everyone. However, there's no way you can convince me that an NFL team, NFL franchise, NFL head coaches, front office, whatever, would knowingly put a guy out there that doesn't give that the team the best chance to win. I just don't see that. I think everything that I've heard from Robert Sala himself on the Michael K show was that Joe Flacco won the job outright in, in camp. He had a good camp. Mike White started a little bit, didn't really come on until that third preseason game or second preseason game against the Giants. But that Joe earned that spot and and that uh, that nod to get the start when Zach went down, um, you know, after the first preseason game and to start the first three games of the season. So do I think maybe some of it, you know, uh, maybe, but that seems like a reach. I just I can't imagine any team uh, not wanting to put the best guy out there, regardless of that, especially early on in the season. Um, What I will say, though, is that. I'm glad that they're recognizing the opportunity now. And regardless of if it's Mike White or Zach Wilson, like who cares, right? At the end of the day, if the Jets finish 11 and six and Mike White's the reason they did and the reason that they they get to the playoffs and are able to do something in January or February, then great. And, and who cares if Zach Wilson was the second overall pick? Like, I don't care at all. I support the Jets. I'm a fan of this team. I I, I like Zach Wilson. I want him to succeed. But if the guy that succeeds here is Mike White, who cares? And I am going to be absolutely happy with that. And if Mike White turns into our own Jimmy Garoppolo and they can win games with him, then so be it. So at the end of the day, man, what, however it plays out, as long as the Jets are winning games, I am absolutely 1,000% happy. Yeah, and anybody who doesn't say that or, like, doesn't believe that, like, are, like, are you a fan of the team? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care how it happens. Like, yeah. The guy that you spend a high draft pick, you hope works out. But if you have the guy that was there the whole time, ends up being the right person, yeah. who cares? Let him let him go somewhere else. Let him be the backup. I don't care. If the Jets win a Super Bowl with Mike White or whomever, it doesn't matter who it is. I don't care who it is. They go out the Eagles. They draft Carson Wentz. He gets hurt. Nick Foles fills in. He wins the Super Bowl. The only Super Bowl says he has a statue outside that stadium. It does not matter how it happens as long as it happens. You yeah. know what I mean? You know, it's, it's just funny. Like, when you compare the quarterbacks, like, really – Clearly, you, you you stack them up next to each other, and Zach Zach Wilson is the more talented quarterback. There's no yeah, question, right? Everybody he's knows more, that he's more mobile. He's got the better arm. He's you see the arm talent just on throws, but like, what throw can't Mike White make that is necessary in this offense? And then honestly, like, okay, 
Zach has had a few highlight plays rolling out of the pocket, kind of doing his thing and, and throwing a deep ball, you know, last year, the Titans game to Corey Davis uh, this year to Garrett Wilson in the Pats game. But like Mike White's kind of made some of those throws. And the, the other thing is too, is that Zach Wilson with that extra ability has gotten himself into a lot more trouble than what he's done good with those throws. And when you think about Zach Wilson, the Zach Wilson that we know, and I'm not, again, I'm not bashing on the guy. I think this reset is absolutely necessary. I think it's going to do good for him and who knows what the future holds, but if he comes back and succeeds, you know, with the Jets, then great. However, the Zach Wilson that we know is mobile, but inaccurate and can't hit the layups, which is really from my standpoint, and I think a lot of Jets fans standpoint, that was like the exact reason that we didn't want Josh Allen as, as our quarterback coming out of the, the draft. It's a good point. I didn't think right? about it like that. And yeah. so when you think about it like that, it's like, those are the, the little things that you don't see when you're talking about draft prospects, you don't think, but then when you're watching the games, you know, game in game out during the season, those are the little things that don't go your way. And, you know, he, he airballs a screen pass to Braxton Berrios. And all of a sudden it's like, what the hell? But those are the little misses that end up mattering. Well, you know what? Mike White hit Mike White hits those things. So this season, the, the end of the season is going to be long. It's going to be, it's, it, it's, it could be a roller coaster. Like who knows, but if Mike White can look 75, 80% of what he did against Chicago, this team's got a better than good chance of, of making a nice little run here to make the playoffs. For sure. It's, it's crazy. And like, like you said, Zach has all the talent in the world. He's an athlete. He's a good athlete. He can run. He um, has a crazy arm talent. He could do a lot of things from like an arm talent perspective that a lot of guys in the league can't do really in this on this earth. But that's not what that's not all of what being a quarterback is. There's so much of the mental aspect of the game that there's been plenty of guys that over the years that have came into the league who were like, oh, my God, he has the tools are off the charts. But if they don't have the mental aspect, they don't. I mean, I don't think it's, it's a like. Doubt, I'm not doubting Zach's work ethic because everyone says he works really hard and he prepares. But if you don't have that mental capacity and you're able to process the way the great ones can, that's what separates guys who are just, you know, a Paxton Lynch versus a guy who's a Patrick Mahomes. It's like it's so much of a mental ass, like a mental thing that people like do not understand. And like I don't even fully understand it because I didn't play quarterback. It's but when you talk to like you listen to people talk about football who have like they've played they've coached you know people who used to play in the NFL there's so much to it that they're not really thinking about and they're just thinking about what they see during the game but it's it's so much more than that it just seems like Mike White has so much of those intangibles that mental preparation just the quick on his feet knowing what to do on every play and Zach has to learn that and it's, I hope he does. And I hope that this reset, like you said, is good for him. And I think it will be, but like, just ride with Mike White, man, who I think the parallel for Mike White, I thought about this, but trying to think what's this like comparable to <laughs> Case Keenum 2017. Think about it. Bradford's the quarterback. He gets hurt early and then they put him in Case Keenum was rolling. Bradford gets healthy. They're like, nah, we're going to keep going with Case Keenum, but they never win him in the starter. And then when you think about it, the whole situation is really begun because Teddy Bridgewater had that gruesome injury the year before, and he wasn't healthy to start season. So it's like an unexpected guy who's just riding a good wave. And maybe that maybe that's what Mike White is. He could just lead us into the playoffs and who knows from there. So yeah, I'm curious what you think about that one. 
That's a, I think it's a very good comparison. I mean, I, I hope uh, whatever happens here, and again, it's one game. I got to keep saying that, but uh, <laughs> if, if Mike White does continue to have success, then I hope the future uh, with the Jets is better than Case Keenum's was with Minnesota. Um, he's but, a, you know, okay, he's underrated, man. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I no, think he could be a starter. Yeah, but like people always rag on him. I'm like, he was decent on the Broncos, decent on Washington. I mean, like, yeah, he's not a superstar, but he. He filled in last year for Cleveland when Baker was hurt. He was fine. <laughs> yeah, he's a journeyman. I mean, he's, yeah, he's fine. I'm not ragging on him by any stretch. I just, I would like, you know, like, listen, I am wide open. No, I want to, Mike White to be better. <laughs> no, I get, I get it. I am wide open to QB possibilities here. But at the end of the day, like, I would love to see Mike White be like the long-term answer here. And who says, oh, yeah, of course, of course. I'm not going to plant my flag in the ground and say that Mike White unequivocally is going to be the next, you know, franchise quarterback for the Jets. But at the same time, who says he can't be? So I'd love to see it. But again, we're getting well ahead of ourselves. It's one game, but I'm telling you, man, that one game was pretty freaking fun. Yeah. And you want to fast forward to Minnesota? <laughs> we can, we can, we can. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it was great stuff. But uh, we could definitely go to Minnesota. I feel like, you know, we could talk about Mike White for hours. It just was super fun. Mike freaking um, White. Mike freaking White. How about, our, we, we don't typically curse, but Mike fucking White. How about that? <laughs> there it is, man. I love it. <laughs> our one curse of the episode. But um, yeah, let's talk about this game. I mean, I'm super excited. It's going to be a fun matchup. It's like, you know, a very exciting team, you know, a really good team. And I think if the Jets obviously could win this game, it's going to really give make people understand that they're a serious team. And, you know, going into into Minneapolis, into the Dome, taking down a team with two losses, the second best team in the NFC. And, you know, I think it's it's important. Uh, to me, the, the coolest thing about this game is going to see Sauce versus Justin Jefferson. I mean, Justin Jefferson's on my fantasy team, so I, I keep a close eye on how he does it week to week. And he's incredible. I mean, think about him in that Buffalo game, that catch he made. He's, he's the best receiver in the league. I thought Chase was going to end up being the best receiver this year in the league. Obviously, he got hurt, but he's still really good. But Justin Jefferson is far and away the best wide receiver in the league. And people people compare Garrett Wilson to him, and I'm like, Garrett Wilson's awesome. I love him. I think he's actually underrated. I think people saying that Chris Olave has like, been the better rookie receiver are not watching everything. Chris Olave has been tremendous as well. Garrett Wilson is unbelievable. But comparing him to Justin Jefferson, I think is a bit of a stretch and we need to see more and him to continue to ascend before that happens. But what are your thoughts about sauce going up against the best of the best? I like it and I can't wait to see it. I think, um, first of all, it's crazy that the Vikings trades to Fon Diggs and then draft a guy like Justin Jefferson that comes in right away. It's, out, like, it's the only time you can say the trade worked out both perfectly for both teams. Yeah. It's uh, it's crazy. And I'm, and I'm envious uh, definitely, but I think the matchup is going to be a lot of fun. I think, um, you know, when you think back on some of the other matchups that uh, sauce and, and really him and DJ Reed, this jet secondary have had, you know, Jamar chase, uh, Stefan Diggs, Tyree kill, Jalen Watt, albeit that was with a backup or a third string quarterback. However, um, this is going to be a, a fun one. I think obviously Justin's going to get his, he's going to, you know, he's going to come down. He's going to make some plays like that's going to happen. Thielen's going to, going to do the same thing. Um, you hope that you can force Kirk into, you know, a, a bad decision or two and capitalize on it. To me though, when you think about this matchup, Jets defense versus Vikings offense, I will, I do want to peel it back and say, 
I don't think the Vikings have really seen a defense that is as good as the Jets are. Philly, so it's that's it. And they look terrible. And they really did. That was early on in the season. But, you know, you talk about really the two defenses that they've faced that I think are, are maybe on the Jets level are the Eagles and the Cowboys. And they lost both of those games and did not look good. The matchup to me, though, um, is I will say as good as the Jets defense is, what has kind of slipped a little bit lately is their tackling ability. You saw them struggle a little bit, albeit with the weather against uh, David Montgomery, but that Dalvin Cook uh, matchup is the one that scares me. I think if they're going to lose this game, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball, it's because they're going to struggle to tackle Dalvin Cook. I mean, he is a fierce runner. He is – built for speed and power so if he can shake free if he can break some tackles that's where I think the Jets are going to uh going to be really challenged to make plays on the defensive side of the ball I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm like not worried about Thielen and Justin Jefferson I absolutely am but I think if I were a defensive coach if I were Jeff Ulbrich or Robert Sala I would definitely be more concerned with how Dalvin Cook impacts this game as opposed to either of those two guys yeah it's it's going to be fun I mean I think the big thing here, it's something I wanted to point out about this matchup. And a lot of people are saying this is like, can they stop Dalvin Cook? You know, Justin Jefferson, like you said, is going to get his, but you've got to make sure that you stop that run game and make them be, make Kirk beat you because he is prone to the big mistake. He does have those games where you're like, what is this guy doing? Because he's a solid quarterback and he looks really good at times, but then there's times when you make him uncomfortable and he throws like two or three boneheaded interceptions or he fumbles the ball, which leads me to my next point. Can the Jets recover a damn fumble? Oh I looked at the stats today. I wrote it by golf. Ten forced fumbles, three recoveries. Come on, man. It's insane. That's- I've I've never seen something as bad as that. Like, they legitimately can't fall on a fumble. I don't understand why. It's not even just this year. It's like the last decade. It seems like yeah. basically since the 2010 season, they haven't been able to recover a fumble. The, the, the Johnny Smith fumble last week against New England, the Cole Komet fumble, I don't know how they didn't fall on either one of those. It, it baffles me. It's 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 truly insane, and it always feels like there's five jet players right there, and there's one opposing team player, and that guy always falls on it. It yeah. doesn't make any amount of sense. I, the the one with DJ Reed when literally the ball was like right next to him last week, I was like, are you kidding me? I know it. But that's like the one call, I and mean, it's like if Kirk or you know Dalvin or whomever has a fumble, you got to fall on that ball because those yeah. are the types of things that can swing a game. Um, the other thing here is, is that as good as Minnesota has been, and I didn't even realize this until the stats were starting to come out because people were talking about it, 32nd ranked past defense in the league, which means if you protect Mike White, which they do have a good front, but if you can you know, keep him upright, which I think that they can, especially with you know the offensive line getting a little bit healthier, he should be able to cook. Like mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to go for 300, but he could throw for 250 and probably two touchdowns. I think that that's not like a crazy ask. I mean, Patrick Peterson's old. He's not the guy he used to be in Arizona. So you could definitely go against him. And I think Garrett Wilson's going to show him a thing or two about what a 21 year old receiver is going against a guy who's in his thirties. Um, I think Tyler Conklin's going to cook revenge game. I think he scored mm-hmm. a touchdown. I'm super excited to see that. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see how we can run the ball against them because they, you know, they know that they're weak in the secondary, but I think that they're actually pretty decent against the run. So it's going to be interesting. And I think it's going to be, a fun game. I know Kirk is always good in the 1 p.m. hour and he finally won his prime time game, but maybe, just maybe, because he got that prime Kai monkey off his back, he may, you know, slip up a little bit on the <laughs> one o'clock game. Plus, they had a long layoff. You know, it's like a 10 day prep. And sometimes, and earlier in the season, it was a big trend. Teams that are played on Thursdays typically were losing the following game because sometimes too much rest 
it doesn't necessarily bode well because guys like to be in rhythm. It kind of throws them off their usual routine. So you never know, man. But I think anything's possible. I think it's going to be a fun game. And, you know, it's a big test for a team that's really trying to get that statement win over a legitimate contender. So we stop, we could stop hearing about, oh, they beat all the backup quarterbacks. You know, they're they're not a real seven and four team. I mean, the metrics back up their defense being elite. So I don't think we need to explain that to everyone. But Mike White, I understand people are like, oh, it's one game, but let's see. Yeah. I think it's important for the Jets to get off of, off to a fast start in uh, in a similar fashion to they did against Chicago. But I really think um this passing offense can perform. I think um it's predicated on yards after catch. And I think that and I'm not I don't want to overblow um Elijah Moore and, and what he did uh, on Sunday. Like it was two catches. Granted, it was two great catches and he had a touchdown. I'm not saying this is a reemergence, but he's definitely more comfortable in this offense with Mike White. But if you get him, a healthy Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, a healthy Uzama, a healthy Conklin, like all together. I mean, that's those are tough matchups. And then you and Brax in, and Mims, like those you, guys could do yeah, things like too. You you factor in the running backs and what they can do, both running the ball and out of the backfield catching. Like it's a hard offense to defend. And for the 32nd ranked, right? 32nd ranked pass defense in the league, like this could be a game where the Jets get out to a fast start and they really don't relinquish the lead. And I think it's um it's important to do that. So predicated on yards after catch, I think you could make you could see some guys uh, make some serious plays. And if, if Mike White can continue, if, if LaFleur can draw this offense up so Mike White can get the ball out quick and, and fast and not uh, relinquish to that pass rush, um, I think the Jets can definitely have some success. But I think, again, I think the bigger matchup is going to be the Jets defense versus the Viking, Vikings offense, specifically that run game and how they can shut down and tackle Dalvin Cook and not let him break, uh, you know, and, and get through that first tackle. Um, that's going to be the key for me. But ultimately, I think they can do that. And then you, you kind of if you put them back on their heels, you force Kirk Cousins into a few throws that he doesn't want to make and you get a turnover here and there. Maybe you do finally fall on a fumble. Um, and that just kind of can turn the tide for the game. I'm not really um, Jets have been road warriors this year with, you know, with really their, their one loss coming uh, last week at new England. So I'm not really scared about going to, uh, to Minnesota. I think historically the Jets actually play Minnesota pretty tough, especially there, uh, which is good. Um, I think you bring up a good point about the Thursday. I was a little, to be honest with you, I'm a little miffed uh, that the Vikings are playing their third home game in a row. And this one is coming with a 10 day rest. And then you kind of look forward to next week where the bills will also have a home game coming off a 10 days rest. So that bothers me a little bit when it comes to the schedule makers, but we can't complain. We're seven and four and we're sitting here with a chance to, uh, to beat a nine and two team. But I, I really do. I'm sure we'll get into predictions here uh, shortly, but I have a pretty good feeling going into, uh, into Minnesota on Sunday. I totally do as well. But before we do that, a little bit of breaking news from Connor Hughes that I wanted to share with the show. Apparently, CBS protected Jets Bills next week from being flexed at the Sunday Night Football. So the indication there is I think it's going to be a Jim Nance, Tony Romo game. So the Jets are probably going to be a national game, uh, you know, during the afternoon window. So I just want to say that's pretty cool that the networks actually want to have the Jets televised versus, you know, giving us the Sparrow DDs broadcast only giving us a Jacksonville Thursday night game is our only prime time game. So the, it's the tables have turned. So that was one thing I wanted to say, but uh, I'll pass it to you for predictions because that's pretty fun to know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'll allude back to it. I, I really do think it's important um, how well the Jets defense plays against Dalvin cook, but I do think 
that Mike White is improved, I don't think we're going to see a regression here. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a three pick performance where we're sitting here going, Oh my God, what the hell is going on? I think that he plays well. Um, I don't think he throws for 300. Uh, I think he'll throw for 250, 260, um, a touchdown. He might have a turnover, um, but I think you see the running game get going. Um, and I think the Jets defense ultimately plays well. Uh, it'll be a close game, but they force Kirk into a turnover too, and that's going to be the difference. And I think you'll see the Jets come out uh, victorious. I'm going to say 28-24 Jets in Minnesota. I also want to say that someone's going to get a defensive touchdown. In this game. I think uh, I would love to say sauce, but I got a feeling it may be someone else. I think DJ Reed kind of comes up big and maybe gets a pick six, but uh, I just think this is, I think this team is different. I, I don't want to take too much of your thunder here, Steve, but I, I had thoughts during that Chicago game, like shades of like the post 94 spike game collapse. Like, Oh my God, what are we getting into? Or, you know, there was uh the 2008 team, like after they came off that big win against ten- Tennessee, oh they had, a, God, they had yeah. a, a very winnable game against Denver in a, in, in a, in a rainstorm and they lost that. And that was kind of the beginning of the end. Even after the Monday night massacre, they came back from a, uh, from that, and they had a winnable game against Miami at home, and they lost like 10 to 3. They couldn't get anything going there. And I just had all these visions coming back. And you know what? They come out, they exercise all those demons for me, even after a semi slow start. And, you know, they get that lead 14 10, and then they never relinquish it. And they, they go on to win 31 10 again against the bad Bears team. But I just, I have more confidence in this team and the staff. I just think they're kind of turning the tide a little bit. And I think they're going to gain this momentum uh, and really not look back. So I think that they will be eight and four going into Buffalo next week. And we'll see what happens there. I, I feel the same way. I'm predicting them to win as well. I think, you know, Justin Jefferson is going to get his. I think that the, the Vikings will probably be able to move the ball, but not as efficiently as they have against other teams. I think the Jets will end up winning 21-17. I think that the Jets defense, you know, is true to who they are. And I think that they're definitely going to make things hard for Kirk Cousins. I think they will force some turnovers, maybe even that defensive touchdown. I'm going to say it again. This is the week of the Braxton return touchdown. I've been clamoring for it. I got the Elijah Moore touchdown. I bet it and it hit a same game parlay and I was so pumped. But this is the Braxton Barrios return touchdown game. I think that's the kind of thing that can flip a game like this. Um, but yeah, I think the defense is going to show up in a big way. Um, I think that they definitely keep a guy like Thielen in check. You, you know, you can only hope to contain a guy like Jefferson, but I think mm-hmm. ultimately the Jets are going to show that they're a real team in the AFC and they're going to take down one of the best in the other conference. So like I said, 21-17 Jets, and we're going to feel really good going into Buffalo, which seems like it might be a Jim and Tony game, which is going to be cool. I know. Crazy. I will say, too, in regards to this game, I think another another good point to make would be uh, really that Jets pass rush and Kirk Cousins lack of mobility. I think that could play a serious factor. The Jets can get in Kirk Cousins face. And if I mean, listen, up until Sunday, they had, what, three games in a row with five sacks um, and they still got after Simeon and they, they sacked him a couple of times, but it wasn't five. But if you can if you can get after Kirk Cousins and, and, and get to him with that four man pass rush that the Jets are. Uh, are, are known for um, I think this could turn into a uh, you know a good outcome for the Jets on Sunday for sure so I'm, I'm excited it should be fun uh, I like this in the dome though because it gives Mike White a chance to cook inside um, <laughs> <laughs> any any closing thoughts Stephen before we wrap no man it's uh it's Mike White time let's just enjoy the ride again like I said it's uh you're a fan of the Jets it, it's the Jets before anything else like 
just like with Sam, we wanted him to succeed. He was a good kid. Same thing with Zach. He hey, got a dub last week. Good kid. There you go. So the fact, whether it's Mike White, Joe Flacco, or or Zach Wilson, whoever can lead us to, to double-digit wins in the playoffs, man, who cares? Let's just get back there. Let's get that other monkey off of our back and end the, the longest drought in the NFL right now. That would be great. I saw a Joe Flacco jersey in the parking lot on Sunday, but it was a number five jersey. I was like, is that Mike White? They're like, no, nah, it's a Flacco. I think it was a Flacco jersey from 2020 before he changed his number. It was yeah. just so funny he, that I saw that. No, uh, I'll say that Flacco should have stuck with five, but if he did that, then Mike White could be five. So uh, Flacco, that that nineteen was ugly. That's not that's not good looking on the quarterback. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's just been a fun season, and I hope that you know we continue to see fun games like that. I mean, they're not going to win every game, I'm sure. You know, if they could go, if they can get three, you know, of the next of the next few, that'd be awesome. But like, they got to eleven wins and it'd be even better, but you know, just take one game at a time at this point. That's it. I think you win, you win one of these next two and you're really teeing yourself up for a very good spot. You get yourself to eight and five with Detroit and Jacksonville coming. I think that Seattle game, albeit going to Seattle, looking a little bit better now, you know, the Raiders just went into Seattle and be good. That's the thing. Exactly. So you, you, you know, if you tee it up that way, I think you're really uh, you're kind of setting yourself up for success. And you could there's a path here uh, to four and two where it's not as daunting as it may have seemed, you know, five or six weeks ago. For sure. I mean, listen, anything could happen to the NFL. That's your seven games and four that, right games, now. Yeah. <laughs> games that you think are easy can end up being harder than they think. And vice versa. So, so, yeah, you know, just just enjoy one game at a time. Uh, just a reminder. We appreciate all the support. Everyone showed us on both YouTube Apple, Spotify, you know, Twitter, everything, or everything between that. Um, make sure to subscribe to the show, youtube.com slash turn the Jets TV, Apple, Spotify, just search turn the Jets live. Please rate review. We appreciate all that support. It goes a long way for this show. Um, also our, you know, the family channels, we got the turn on Jets podcast feed for Will's show. He has great guests every week. We also had the return of draft season. So for people looking for that fix, you know, the guys, Meigs, Joe, Dylan, and James, they're, they're back. They had their first episode with Dane Brugler from The Athletic last week, which was really good stuff. And as always, if you have not, make sure to become a Badlands patron. It's we're, We just broke 2,400, which is awesome. The weekend of Revis's retirement, which makes it even more fitting. But uh, best premium Jets content you'll ever see. It's it's always great stuff with Connor and Joe. Film room stuff, occasionally with our guy, Danny Eason, whenever he joins, is awesome with Connor. And you know, it's, it's, you'll see some writing, you'll see video, you'll see audio. It's really great stuff. And it's great for any Jets fan that just wants more. And uh, like I said, we appreciate that support and we'll talk to you guys next week.